so we start as every day with a small little background and uh, today being the last day in a sense it will be nice to have as many questions as possible so we have been speaking about the evolution of consciousness and its importance in everyday life <clears throat> because very often people have this question what is the importance of all this um, spirituality and all that we are doing life is about action do something the thing is to do something first we must be aware of what should be done and secondly we must be empowered to do what we want to do so evolution of consciousness simply means that at each stage of evolution we have a certain kind of understanding about life and we have certain means with which we act a child has a certain understanding a certain world view a, an early humanity has a certain understanding about life and a certain world view and as it evolves this world view self regard and the means of action change in that sense knowledge empowers us so the premise of spirituality is that mankind not only can consciously evolve but has reached a stage when the activity the mental evolution is arriving at its peak that's why we see so many mental activities so many kinds of it's like very restlessly mind has started all kinds of inventions all kinds of creations all kinds of thoughts and this excessive activity is the sign that probably the time has come for it to burst forth into something new now when we speak about evolution beyond the mind meaning thereby there is there are ranges of consciousness beyond the human mind and in each of these ranges there is a what mother and shubhendra have said reversal of consciousness there is a change in the way we look at ourselves in the way we look at life in the way we look at world in the way we deal with the world and there is not one range there are many ranges so that's how the whole uh, idea of spiritual evolution <clears throat> but very often when we use the word spiritual we use it very vaguely it's like anything beyond the human mind human range is spiritual very often we use the word spiritual for certain abnormal siddhis and powers which are all right they are part and plan of nature but true spiritual consciousness begins when we transcend the rational mind and its limitations now this is a paradox because we are so used to the rational mind we don't want to go beyond it <laughs> we don't even believe there is anything beyond it but if we look at the logic of nature and its evolutionary process we will see that it is inevitable that there would be ways of cognition ways of understanding life ways of dealing with life beyond the rational mind but beyond the rational mind when we enter into the spiritual consciousness just as at each level we have a certain understanding certain vision of the divine so also at each level of consciousness we have a certain understanding certain experience certain perception of the divine or of the ultimate reality and this goes on goes on and where does it stop shobindo has a very simple line to it in savitri where world and god grow true and one meaning thereby as long as there is a disconnect between the two 
that this is worldly consciousness, this is world and there is, this is God, this is divine, means we have not arrived at the ultimate reality because ultimate reality has to be one reality. Now, not one reality which annuls it. So that's why he says world and God are true and one. Not that as we were talking yesterday about a line of Vedanta which ends up with a kind of monism, uh, spiritual monism where there is the one but all this is an illusion. No, it, it, this, this has its meaning, this has its validity, uh, this has its purpose and we have to understand this purpose. Engage with it in a meaningful way. All learning is about that. All education is about that. So the consciousness in which we recover and discover the true sense and purpose of the world, where the two grow two, true and one, world and God, is the supramental consciousness. It's the meeting point. It's the junction. There is beyond it the utter oneness in which there is no consciousness of the world. And there is below it only the ignorant world consciousness and no sense of the one. So Shubindo uses explains it very beautifully. It is where the one begins to become the many. So image is like a prism where the white light comes and begins to become the many. We can take an example. <clears throat> if Vyasa didn't write the Mahabharata, he would still be Vyasa. He wouldn't be a different person. But there is something in Vyasa which needs to express itself, the delight of expressing itself. And initially it is like a stir. Vyasa wants to express something. There is a very nice story about it, how the Bhagavat was born. Vyasa is, after writing everything, Vyasa wants to write something else. And he tells Narada, I don't know, I have written so much, but I think something is still missing. And Narada tells him that you, are, you have not yet written the glory of the Lord. Of Krishna. So that is how we have the uh, coming of Bhagavat because he wants to express something else. He, he, he is aware that there is something which needs expression. So this first stage when you we, there is a need of expressing more than a need, a creative urge. That's where creation would begin, the first stir of creation. And then there is an idea of what it wants to express. Maybe the story of the Lord. It's an idea. So Shubindo uses another term for uh, supramental. It is the real idea, the original idea. It's like the original blueprint of what creation should be. Not what it has become, but what it should be. The blueprint in the heart of the divine about what creation should be. Now that's why supermind is also the door where the unmanifest and the manifest come together. It is not manifested. It is there, held back inside. It is not manifested, but it is there in the heart. Only the author knows. That stage of Vyasa when he has not written anything. Or Valmiki before he has written anything. But it is there. So it is not manifest. But Valmiki and Vyasa know about it, but nobody else knows about it. Then the next step is, it begins to express itself. Now when it begins to express itself, it needs instruments. If he has to speak... There is the mouth, if he has to write, there is the hand, the brain, the ink, the pen, the book, paper, everything. You know, there is a very interesting story about Vyasa's Mahabharat that Ganesha himself comes and, you know, he says, I will write. But Ganesha tells him on one condition that you will keep on dictating non-stop. If you stop, then I stop and go away. Vyasa says, all right. 
but i have also a condition you must understand everything that i write all right so there are in the mahabharata many cryptic verses <laughs> even ganesha had to pause for a moment what has he written what is he saying <laughs> and then he writes so that was enough breather for vyasa to let the flow come so now what happens manifestation starts now when manifestation start there are different characters there is a whole mahabharata and you we start categorizing duryodhana is bad arjuna is good and so on and so forth but all of this was in the heart of vyasa and through all this grand narrative he is trying to build up something which is unimaginable when mahabharata ends dhritarashtra asks sanjay what kind of a god is he this massacre this destruction and sanjay answers to dhritarashtra that well uh, you know at the end of the whole war when everything would have been forgotten people would forget whether characters like bhima and arjuna ever existed whether there was a bhishma and a karna two things will remain that is the gain of all this one is the the grand vision of the integral divine on the battlefield of kurukshetra and the second is the colloquy between arjuna and krishna you see other things we may doubt but these two the the first one is embedded within the gita humanity has been nourished by that so this is how evolution takes place now there are many actors come into play now these actors some are conscious of the original plan because they have been revealed arjuna is one of the fortunate one and some are not conscious duryodhana is not conscious he thinks i am going to win now there we have the play of ignorance and because all these character comes into play to ultimately manifest the grand narrative each of them adds a little distortion into the play this what yesterday we were talking about it's like you know you tell someone that um, please get me let's say some candy and the person goes to the shop and he thinks i have understood but on the shop he remembers and says well which candy which color candy how expensive it should be and then applies his own mind and picks up something which is an approximation so like that at each step at each stage now the involution as the consciousness is wanting to express itself there is a little bit of deviation and distortion and ultimately we see on this level that everything appears so strange now meaning thereby when it is said that is destiny fixed in this sense it is fixed that the final destination each each of us in our deepest essence is born to manifest express something of this grand narrative and it will be nobody can stop it that is the, the that's why the word destiny sometimes you have a close correspondence to destination where we will reach what we will express is already decided what is not decided the road we will take that is the freedom given to man though there are countless pushes and pressures because ultimately ultimately everything is pushing us towards that through countless lives and yet there is something which can always come and distort the play always come and distort the play that makes the play at one level very interesting and fascinating at another level it's very 
disheartening and disconcerting. Depends upon how we choose it. I find it fascinating because it's then like a football game. You know, where you see that the person is very close to the goal. Ah, there is going to be a goal. And suddenly you see someone unseen comes from the side and it goes into the other camp. That's what makes it very, very engaging and interesting. You know, this idea that you know, destiny is held back from us brings into the play a certain degree of unexpectedness and it adds to the complexity and the richness. That's why it is allowed. Otherwise, they, it wouldn't have become as rich and it would not have brought out many, many qualities. When there are challenges and obstacles, then strength comes out. If there are no challenges, no obstacles, no difficulties, you know, often I speak about Ramayana, people sometimes advise not to read Ramayana and Mahabharata. Why? Because there is so much violence in it. Imagine a Mahabharata where there is no war. It's only about nice, good, five good guys. We are very nice guys. And when finally they were abandoned into the forest, they said, no, no, we, we adopt uh, Buddhism and we are not going to fight. Buddha didn't say that. He also spoke about a just war. If, if you are pushed to the corner, a war in self-defense. But let's say that they decide, no, we are now, we will take sannyas and we will go into the forest. And Mahabharata ended and thereafter all the five Pandava brothers went into the forest. What would have happened? Yes, Mahabharata was written. What would one speak of Arjuna and Bhima and Yudhishthir? Yes, what kind of a weak characters? That would be the narrative. They were given a choice that in this is exactly what Arjuna tells him that you are driven by your Swadharma, this is your role you have to play, and you are shrinking from it. Now, because of this obstacle, the best comes out. Of course, crisis can bring out the worst in us, and it can bring out the best in us. Imagine Rama without the challenge of Ravana. Today we say Rama's Paurush. But if there was no challenge of Ravana, Rama would remain half Rama. If there was no challenge to Sita, Sita would remain half Sita. So that's why when challenges come in life, we must understand that, well, they are part of the journey because they bring out the best in us to take us toward the final and full expression of the real idea. This real idea is working in everyone. That supramental grain of that supramental consciousness is there in creation. It's not something which is uh, coming from somewhere. It is there within creation, but it is not expressing itself openly. It is expressing through many veils. It has also been glimpsed. There are yogis who have gone to levels and levels beyond the human mind and glimpsed this consciousness. And they have used the word perfect consciousness. Now what is this perfect consciousness? At one level it means all that we can aspire and all the things that we see embodied, it is a grand perfection of that. Let's say human love finds its perfect fulfillment there. Human strength, human power, human knowledge or knowledge, power, love at various levels of existence. Human beings are not the only, uh, you know, we don't possess it. We are instruments for expressing it. We see its perfection there, not only in isolation, but in complete and harmonious union. Here we see often kindness and justice. They come at Sometimes war with each other, isn't it? Should you be kind or should you be just? Should there be power? Should there be love? Often at human level. Even knowledge and power 
we know but we can't act yesterday i think this somebody was saying yes is we know because they are at war with each other in super mind knowledge and power are one that's why what the divine sees he creates this perfect consciousness is necessary otherwise we will always remain uh, maimed in some way or the other see that's what happened in vedanta one had the knowledge there is a perfect consciousness but use this knowledge to escape into the beyond let me go there to embody that perfect consciousness no my will is not it's not possible to embody it i see it some rishis aspired like yagnavalka when he says i want to know the law of truth with which i can lead my life here see it's so practical so such an important thing we don't know what is the law of this world what is the law of creation whatever we have understood is we have understood from certain textbooks as we was yesterday this lovely question by the child is an atom living and conscious we have never raised these questions we have just understood it from the superficial understanding because if it is living and conscious our dealing changes if matter is conscious deep within there is consciousness within matter then we'll deal with it differently if rivers have an intrinsic consciousness then we will talk to this consciousness we we will find a way and means to communicate with this consciousness you know when rama has to build the bridge lakshmana literally tells the ocean give way we need you to give way help us those stones which people still find floating the images these floating stones and people are wondering how they came into existence it will give you some there would be some science behind it and a process but this process will be revealed because you are communicating at the level of consciousness that's why when people say oh all this is very nice abstract supramental no it's the most practical thing if i know how to deal with everything that is around me by getting into its depth that's the knowledge of the yogin let me give an example of when golkund was been being built i think some of us may be aware it's a amazing uh, building in um, pondicherry has anyone seen from inside you have seen please next time when you go it's a marvel architecture marvel and it was shobindra said it is the yoga of the mother in the material world it's amazing and so many years have passed maybe now 70 years and you have those huge concrete slab like you have these ventians blinds and there is a lever you pull the lever now and they will all close it'll become like a cave you pull it the other way and they will all open and there is light it's amazing everything it it, it makes you conscious try next time when you go to maybe even stay there for a few days all right at least go visit from inside they would they don't allow normally but you have to find some way and means and if you let me know i'll find someone who may be staying there who can let you enter and have a look seeing from outside may not be enough okay so now when golkund was being constructed there were certain issues one was that you know there was lot of rain expected and they were laying the concrete and so it was like you know if prince come before it will be like a problem water has to be given but after so people prayed to mother and mother simply went and told shurbindo that you know it's um, the sky is not looking good 
and Shubhendu just kept looking at the sky for a few minutes, and the whole rain was withheld. And after they had finished, when they needed to put the water, rains poured. Just the time when. Now this is not about a miracle. It there is a process behind it. That's how Shubhendu describes. These are forces with which we can interact and communicate. So when people went to mother that you know we are trying to lay uh, put this here we don't know where probably the water source how to do it where to do it this there was a engineering problem so they couldn't resolve it scientists from Japan was there and France and all these people had come together and so they went to consult the mother and mother just looked at the whole picture and said try it here and this way so they said ah why we didn't think of it. Yes, this should work, and they asked her. Now, this this idea that truth consciousness can only give you moksha. Yes, it liberates us, but liberates us from what? From ignorance. <laughs> Liberation from ignorance means we have the true knowledge, not only about knowledge of the self, the self knowledge and self enlightenment, but knowledge about the world and all its processes. I am giving just two examples out of countless. So that's why we'll see in Gita there is a chapter called Gyana Vigyana Yoga. Gyana is not enough. Why Vigyana? Vigyana, in the true sense of the word, is an extension of this knowledge of the self into creation because the self has become the world, and that's why the word used is. Shobinda would use the word in the life divine integral knowledge. That's why often people, you know, when they say, "Oh, yoga is about self-realization, self-enlightenment," well, that's the first step, but not the self which is disconnected from the world. Otherwise, it will be meaningless for creation. It may be very useful to me to know myself, but perfectly useless for the world if it has nothing to do with the world and the world goes on as it is. So this self of which Shurbindo speaks of is that self, the supramental self, where which contains the truth of the one and the truth of the world. It is hinted in the Isha Upanishad. Vidyancha vidyancha yast dvedo bhyamsa. It knows the truth of one and knows the truth of multiplicity. So it reveals to it that true law of everything, true law of evolution. See how do we deal with people? Often we want a universal standard, and we'll see it. Oh, be good to everyone. So what happens? You meet uh, somebody who takes a gun out. Of course, you can stretch that goodness to the point that okay, what if I die? Maybe to somebody you may do that. Maybe with somebody else you'll do something else. They, this law is unfolding itself differently in different individuals. That is why it is called Satya Dharma. The word Dharma is very interesting. Dharma is not do this and don't do this. Dharma is the unfolding of truth in different ways in each one's life. So when Mother was asked about truth, she said, "You cannot define it. The moment you define it, you fix it and finish it." But to those who are sincere to know the truth, it will express itself to each one in different ways at each moment. Let's take an example: a child, two-year-old child. When the child pushes the mama and says, "You are Gandhi, mummy," so 
should the mummy give a nice tight slap no no it's maybe you will explain or maybe you will depending on the state if a 20 year old child does this can we really now here it's understandable it's so obvious but what has happened the state of consciousness has changed that's why the in ancient times the the punishment or you know the highest yardstick who was to embody the king when it was said that the king is um, god one meaning of it is that oh whatever he says you have to listen to it the other meaning was you have to behave like god very difficult nurturing and nourishing everyone knowing the law of everyone now if he made a mistake it was a very serious offense that's what we see in rama's life that's what we see in ahilya and um, gautam rishi's life when you are at that stage of evolution so based on the level of consciousness and the stage of evolution the law of truth also changes it's the same thing when we are ignorant and do something it's one part of it when we are conscious and do something it's something else when we are conscious and we have done it and got the consequences and we do it again and again with a wicked intention it is something else it's the same act that's why when we talk about the law of karma mother says that <coughs> from the standpoint of yoga it is not what you do but the consciousness in which it is done that matters very often people ask what should i do before we talk about what should we do we should have the state of consciousness now naturally the ideal state of consciousness is the supramental truth consciousness then we will that's why it's called truth consciousness that's the way divine sees the world and understands the world and when we embody that consciousness then we can rightly say that we we have become one with the divine but as we said that even when one is in union with that the instruments may not respond even when you have the knowledge and you have the power imagine if vyasa had all the knowledge of mahabharata inside but he was either dumb he could not speak or he could not write what will happen he will have the knowledge but there is no expression of this knowledge so the need to perfect the instrument that's why we see there are chapters in synthesis about perfection of the instruments and how do they become perfect by offering them to this consciousness as we become aware of the limitations we keep on offering and the shakti begins to act and slowly all the instruments begin to get upgraded so the supramental consciousness is that consciousness which has the key to transforming this earthly life into a life divine because it it acts on the basis of perfect oneness at the same time it knows the multiplicity and the secret law of each being each thing and therefore someone it will keep near people used to ask mother that there are some very close to you they must be very advanced sadhak you know what did mother say you can't judge by this why someone is kept physically near why someone is kept far why someone is here why someone is somewhere else is not decided by a mental thing mind things like that somebody who is very near is you know like we may think that somebody is in the ashram so is a great sadhak 
why somebody is where is not decided on based on ignorant mental conceptions it decided by a secret law of truth and the moment we try to reduce it into a formula we lose it <coughs> it must unfold so we have these terms now perfect consciousness in which all the qualities are lifted to their pinnacle they realize their absolute truth and are in perfect harmony we have another word for it truth consciousness because it knows the secret law of all things and knows how to fulfill them through a passage of time that's why when people are very impatient why isn't mother showing me the way why isn't she you know you meet with a first obstacle when you want to do something and you think you are inspired by the divine mother and first obstacles then what happens two kinds of thoughts come one is maybe mother doesn't want it remember the first law earth is not a perfect expression yet of the divine truth very often obstacles may well be a sign that this is the work to be done second thought which comes is okay but why doesn't the mother remove all the obstacles immediately isn't it she knows this is the path she is taking us through this path often i give this example to people you believe krishna is divine yes they will say yes we believe krishna is divine krishna knew about the mahabharata yes he knew about the mah himself said that what is going to happen why did he let abhimanyu die abhimanyu was krishna's own bhatija bhanja arjuna was his own loved one and he is taking arjuna through the battlefield why didn't he simply say okay arjuna you know i have a plan for you what is the plan you have to be on the you know yudhishthir has to be on the throne and you have to all of you have to establish dharmaraj okay great so what do we do don't worry i'll do some magic suddenly you will see that you know duryodhana and everybody will wake up in the morning and say yudhishthir please take the rajya that didn't happen there is mahabharata because even if duryodhana gave the rajya all the kshatriya king gave the rajya the tendency will remain inside and it will come up and derail everything so those tendencies are brought out they are given a full chance in the play either to change or to go away that's why each of them was given a chance till the last minute Duryodhana is given a chance, Karna is given a chance, Bhishma is <laughs> given a chance, everybody is given a chance till the last minute. It is decided that there will be a reign of truth. You know, he united India, and you see that actually dream of a united India starts there from Krishna, and it continues right up to Ajat Shatru, and you know what we are watching today. The last bit was. chandragupta maurya he is the last one time to time this dream is thwarted and again it returns and then of course again it breaks and again it's going to be because such is the vision of truth but it will go through its own process shurbindo had foreseen that there will be a free and united india and he sent durai swami ayer as an emissary 
incidentally someone who was king janak and chandragupta in his previous life so when he comes back nobody listened to it when he told the congress that accept the crips proposal because this will give you eventually united india its grace that has come knocking at the doors these were should be those words the then congress said Oh, this is a post-dated check, and what does Shurbindo know about it? He has left politics. This idea that he is in spirituality, let him continue with that. And Shurbindo said, "It's going to be terrible now." Mother went into trance, and she said, "Lot of bloodshed she saw for next fifty years. People didn't realize that time." So Durai Swami Iyer came and said that. Lord, you knew this. Why did you ask me to go? Didn't you know that they are going to turn down the proposal? Shubhendu said, "Yes." Why did you send me? Shubhendu said, first jokingly, for a little bit of nishkam karma. Then he said, "Well, I know it will happen. The time is not ready, but he had to put the divine will completely on this side of a united India." so what we should also realize there is a season for everything da vinci in his that life never saw the aircraft fly now he must be seeing maybe you know but it didn't deter him from making drawings of aircrafts supposing he said oh i don't think it's all kalpana so always when we are impelled to do something by the sadharma by the inspiration by an enthusiasm about it do it some have to furrow the field some will sow the seed some will put water into it some will seed grow some will guard it against animals and some will actually enjoy the cherries and the berries imagine if the man who planted the thing said if i am not going to eat it i'll not do it isn't it what will you say of such a person you are being very selfish yeah people know oh, what is there if i i how much how many years this tree will take maybe 100 100 years forget it if there is a joy in tilling the soil this joint following take that joy of life not the result it all comes from this truth that truth will manifest that's why when it is said satyameva jayate nanritam people say oh i have not seen i lost my court case sir what is court case got to do with truth <laughs> maybe you are nearer to truth than the man who won it like the hastinapur who was nearer the truth those who were digging the khanda prast and building indraprast out of it so whenever we deal in life this idea that i must get this result this result driven thought veils the truth because we are striving for success we should strive for excellence and doing god's will that's all should matter whether we succeed or don't succeed is his lookout all right if we see the fruits and the flower so be it in this life otherwise in another life even if we don't see it we'll have the satisfaction and the joy of doing something which was beautiful i 
think morning we were talking about it. Jhansi ki Rani, was she a success or a failure? <laughs> huh? Was she a success or a failure? One will say even Pandavas were a failure because later on the kingdom went away. No. There are those who keep this dream alive. So super mind is the it's the dream of the divine that has been planted upon earth. Often when mother was asked what is Auroville? The other, I think somebody, someone was asking this question. What is Auroville? So mother used the word it is the dream of the Supreme Lord. Then she was asked, Who has conceived Auroville? Supreme Lord. Who is building Auroville? The Supreme Himself. Then she says, Yes, it is a dream. But the dreams of the Lord are a far greater reality of truth than what human beings talk of as real and true. Engage in the dream. The first Aurovillians, the first ashram inmates, just think about it. Ashram inmates, I can still understand with mother and Shobindo closeness. Think about those who came for Aurovill, first Aurovill, barren land, how they were digging, doing, creating things. Some of them are no more there. During this 50th celebration when water from all over the world was bought and brought and poured, they, are, they passed away no? from this but the dream continues. So let us look beyond our little personalities and our little personal life when we act. That's why the Gita talks about Nishkam Karma. Let's look beyond our personal gains, our interests and let's simply put ourselves into the will of God as it expresses itself within us. Without worrying about what the world will think, what the world will say, what the world will do. Let us play our part. <laughs> Whether others are playing their part or not. It's a different story. I mean each one, it's unfolding in its own way. And ultimately everybody is being pushed in their own way. Even the oppositions are going to help in this grand creation. So we have the way of super mind and the supramental action is not the way of the mind. Which judges things by their immediate effect. The mother and Shurbindo, just as a closing remark, have enrolled us in a thousand-year project. Okay. Name of the project is DDP, Divine Development Project. And every energy that we put in this project is invested in the DDBI, Divine Development Bank, International, Private Limited. Everything that we have put into this project, even a little bit of offering in that direction, of energy, of thought, of feeling, of wish, of goodwill, it's not just about money. Every bit of physical effort is going towards the fruition of that project. There are many such projects initiated by Shurabindu and the mother. The Ashram, Auroville, Shurabindu Society, Center of Education. They are all projects. And when they will come to their fullness, we do not know. What did mother speak about Ashram school? She said, I am certain 
that this will one day become the seat of highest knowledge upon earth. And then she says, you may doubt my words. I may or may not be there to see it. It may take 50 years, 100 years. But my children will be there to fulfill this dream. So let's participate in this dream of the divine. And now with the help of the supramental consciousness, of the truth consciousness, of the real idea, the original idea is to make this earth a life divine, not, not a you know field of sorrow from which we run away. And we will have the joy of having participated in this wonderful project. And as she said, and with that we will close. My children, you have struggled and endured for the work. You will share in the joy of the victory. Whenever this victory comes, it doesn't matter. Whether our contribution is like the great Hanuman or it's like the squirrel. You know, squirrel ka contribution. Let us do that part. That is the work to be done. There is a divine consciousness which is unfolding itself upon earth. The more we align ourselves with it, the more we perfect our instrument, the more it will pour upon earth. So the mistake we make it, very often when people think, okay, this is the work I have to do. Then they feel, okay, now I am an instrument. Now I don't have to do anything more on myself. I have to just express. This is a mistake. I have to go on perfecting this. Go on aligning this. And at the same time, keep on doing the work that I am impelled to do. And at the same time, remain plastic and in equanimity that tomorrow if I have to change, if this work has to pass to some other hands, even if it seems like it has collapsed, still we do it. When Shurabindu was asked, are you so sure of the new creation? He said, even if I knew that it is going to end in a failure and I was the only person upon earth to do it, I would still do it. And then he said, I will look beyond the smash. Smash means the whole civilization. I would look beyond the smash to the new creation which yet must come. So let's close with these lines and have some questions.